Hey there, I'm Evan DeWald and I'm joined by Tara Lindsley and this is Unpacked. We're unpacking life as messy people. So here, we do the things that we do the best. We tell stories and we share life with each other. Sometimes life gets big and messy and full of failure and vulnerable moments, but we believe that sharing those things together helps us all to grow. So have a listen. Make sure to like and subscribe. Hey, Tara. Hey. Hey, I'm excited about today. Yeah. We have kind of an old friend. Yeah, we've known her for a while. We have for about five years we've known her and we met her in Haiti. Yeah, which is the place we both really love. Yes. And uh, we met her there. She was doing a bunch of translating for us when we were there the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she started taking on a couple of the projects and, and helping us out with one of the projects in Haiti that our family of churches, the Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada, does. And the one that she specifically ran was one in a place called Petite Ons, which is a small sub suburb of the city of Cape Haitian in northern Haiti. And it's uh, it's probably one of the hardest places I've ever put my feet in this world. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, it's a challenging it's almost even difficult to describe. We try to in an episode to help paint a picture of um, the poverty yeah. that you experience yeah. there is like no other, even for Haitians. Yeah. Yeah, actually that is true. Like each time we have another friend, his name is Jeff. He's done some translating for us too in Haiti and actually runs our aquaculture project there. And I remember going there the first time with him and he just stood there and cried. Hmm. He was like, I didn't even know this was happening in my country. Yeah, because not all parts, just like here in Canada, not all Mm -hmm. parts of the country look the same or even have the same economic status. Exactly. So in like in real short, it's a place where essentially the folks there have purchased and push garbage into the bay and then they put some dirt with it and then they basically reclaim land from the sea to build houses on in a neighborhood. So the garbage is kind of coming up and the ground is a little bit soft and it stinks with all the water that's kind of coming up through the ground um and then there's people like living there Mm -hmm. and like doing life and lots of kids there yeah yeah and suggest and that's one of the most bright spots of the whole thing and jessica runs or did run the uh the food program that that we were running out of there yeah, and we sit on a board that helps kind of manage those projects. Yeah, and she sits on it with us, which is now cool. She does. Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, but now she lives in Canada. She's in Montreal, mm-hmm. and she's married, has a, has a baby, and so we talk a little bit about that in this podcast too. Like, what's it been like to come to Canada? Mm-hmm. I don't know why she thinks it's cold or something. I don't know what her problem is. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so we talk about some of those kind of things and what it's been like coming to Canada. So there's yeah. some, some cool things there. And yeah, her passion for Haiti. Yeah. So she tells a lot of stories about her life growing up there and what that's been like and then yeah. the passion she had for the feeding project. Yeah. So, hey, we are so glad that you've decided to join us. We hope this conversation is enlightening. It is challenging to you. We hope that it actually makes you think about going to Haiti someday mm-hmm. um, and or or even getting involved in some other ways, uh, which, which we probably will share yeah. somewhere. Yeah, we'll link them. We'll link. We'll them. link some ways to learn more, and we even just encouraging you to read more about Haiti and some of the things going on yeah. in that country. It's really important, not just the bad, like not just the struggle. Yeah, but uh, well, these are people who have become these incredibly beautiful people through the struggle, mm-hmm. which is what's so fascinating and makes you fall in love with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, we're so glad that you've 
decide to follow us, like us. We love it when you share. We love it when you give comments and, and give us feedback. Uh, and you can do that on, on iTunes, Spotify, and a few other places too, right? Do we have like a website? We do, yeah. What? <laughs> a website, some social media, okay. a few places. Funny thing, like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I, I looked up the Unpacked. <laughs> And there was a website. I was like, look at this. With your face on yeah, it. Yeah, how cool is this? Somebody made a website about us. I don't know who it was, but wow, this is really awesome. It's got all kinds of information in there. Anyways, hey, we're glad you decided to join us. And we hope that you really enjoy this conversation with Jessica. Hello. Hey, um, we are so glad that uh, our guest Jessica has decided to join us and share a little bit of your story. And we can talk a little bit about our own past together because we know you and um, we know you from a very unique place in the world that uh, both Tara and I have had a chance to fall in love with. And mm-hmm. we, and that is the country of Haiti. We, we've been to Haiti a couple of times. I've been there a few more times than Tara, but uh, we've had a chance to travel there together, and and that was where we met you. So Jessica, yeah. so glad that you you committed to doing this scary thing and and being recorded <laughs> in a conversation. <laughs> Thank you guys for inviting me to be here with you. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I hope I'll, I will I will have enough things to share with you. Oh, oh you God. will. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you you definitely will. So. You are Haitian. I was born in Haiti. Yeah. So, this is a terrible question. You're not supposed to ask. Tara's <laughs> going to be so mad at me for asking this question. How many years ago in Haiti were you born? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I was born in 1990. 1990. Oh. Me too. What? Oh my god. When were you born? What month? Uh, September. So who's yeah. older? The two of you are the same age. We're the same age. I'm in February though. So. So you're oh, older okay. than you're older than her. Mm-hmm. This is like the first time. This is like the first time Tara's been older than somebody. Dress <laughs> <Just> a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> and so you were born in Haiti. Can you tell us like what part of Haiti? Because one of the things that I've learned about being in Haiti, obviously Haiti is Haiti, just like Canada is Canada. But boy, if you go in Canada, and you you will talk about this where you are actually right now. But if you if you come to visit Canada and go to some of the different places in Canada, you might be shocked to hear we're all Canadians. Yeah, he's very hard. Right, in particular, and like some of us are speaking a different language. Language, French. Yeah, and if you're from the Maritimes, I think they they speak Marantini. I'm not sure what it's (laughs) called, but it's a language that I'm pretty sure isn't English. And um, that may not be true in terms of language in Haiti, but your experience in Haiti is a little bit different from my experience of going yeah. to, say, the city of Port-au-Prince and then going up to Holimbe, which is a small kind of a village in comparison to, to the big city of, of Port-au-Prince. So where, where, did you, where were you born in Haiti? And tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I was born in Haiti in Gunaif. Okay. They call that city Freedom, Freedom, City of Freedom. Oh. So, Yeah. And I think the name matched to the people in the city. So, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. You got to say what, what that means. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we like like we are like we are independent. Like I'm a person, independent person. So I work, you know, I don't I don't want to wait until person give me. I just want to work and then fight. You see? Ah, okay. So this is the way I am. I don't know where I come from in <laughs> the city. So they call it freedom of the city of freedom. So yeah. But my mother, my mother does didn't she wasn't born there. Okay. She come from on the countryside to the city. So yeah, where she meet my my dad and then they have me. So yeah. And do, is it just you? Like do you have siblings? I do have siblings. Okay. On my mom's side, I have like three sisters. For my dad's side, I have a lot of siblings. Okay, <laughs> just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> For those I know, they are like um 16 okay so mostly then you were you grew up with your your sisters on your mom's side so three sisters in in terms of like the order of those sisters are you the oldest are you the middle child are you where are you at in order? i'm the second one you're the second one okay cool Mm -hmm. tell us like for most of our listeners they'll they'll have never been to haiti they will have never have experienced well, it's hard me when you're talking about your own country, but they'll never ex- have experienced or get to experience what we've been able to experience in going to Haiti in terms of just what what beautiful place it is and what kind of people are there and all those things. But can you tell us a little bit about what, like, what was little Jessica like? My mom started work, working by herself since she was, she was like 11. She lost her mother when she was five. Wow. And she has her first child when she was 16. Okay. So it was the it was hard on her. So she has to work every single day to feed her kid. Mm-hmm. Especially when you are a second par- parents. In 80, we have a lot of single parents. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. things can get very difficult for them, especially in 80. We know how things are in 80, how difficult it is. There is no job. You have to create your own job, you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, but fortunately, my mom is a warrior. Yeah, she sell meat in the marketplace every day. She choose to put us in the private school, good school. Even though she didn't have to, she, she, she didn't want to, she didn't go to school. She didn't go to school because, you know, school in 80, you have to have money to pay for it. So she didn't have someone to take care of her. She has to work by herself to, to take care of her. And she got pregnant at 16. So she has to take care of, you know, Mm -hmm. her child. So she worked every day. And to make sure that we go to school to have something to eat every day, you know, to have clothes to put on and to make sure that we, she, she, like, she, she makes sure she, she makes sure that we have everything we, we need, not everything we really need, but the basic thing, you know, go to school, have food, have clothes, have somewhere to, you know, 
to sleep, you know, those kind of things, the, the basic things in 80. Mm-hmm. And you can say basic things, but in 80, they are like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, having, having those kind of things means a lot for people in 80. Have clothes on, yeah. have food to eat, able to go to school, in private school, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that's mean a lot for me. So I was like, you know, <laughs> just like normal kid, you know, make sure that, you know, you respect people around you because the lady, you know, they yeah. don't play with kids, you know, the wood kids, they don't play with that. Mm-hmm. So play with my siblings, but unfortunately my, my big, my older sister, she didn't live with us. She didn't re- live with us at the time. Because my 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 mom had her when she was sixteen. She was like, you know, um, by her grandmother. Okay. okay. Her grandmother took her to take care of her. So my mom have to go to 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 the market, you know, do some kind of things. But I was the oldest. When I was born, I was like the oldest sister. Yeah, I have to take care of my little sisters. Okay. You know, when my mom go to the marketplace at five, four in the four a.m. or five, I have to take care of my sister before going to school to make sure they eat, to make sure they take the bath, to make sure you know I was the one, you know, take care of my sister. Yeah, it was hard on me. Yeah, that means I I didn't have any t- you know like free time to play like you know those kids you know on the on the street warning on the street playing the street because i have a lot of things to do at home take off my home uh clean my own you know help my sisters and make sure that they know everything you know do their homework you know help them do doing their homework those kind of things hmm. okay okay so would you say that um, so, how much younger are your younger siblings? Uh, uh, after me, um, she's now 27. Okay. And the last one, she's 19. Okay. Okay. So, you speak some pretty awesome English. I'm curious yeah. to know, how I'm, did you learn? I'm struggling right now. Are you kidding? Oh, you're you doing great. Yeah, you can't tell at all. To, to do it. So, yeah, thank you guys. Really? <laughs> that's funny that you'd say that yeah. because even, you know, what we haven't said in this is that one of the ways that we met you was you were you were interpreting actually for yeah, us yeah, when we were yeah, there. Yeah. And um I'm sure I said it to you, but we for sure said it behind your back, just how great you were at, at, at English and, and being able to speak mm-hmm. English and understand. Because um, as you know, l- learning the words and the language is one thing. Learning the the tone and all the other things in the English language can be... Another thing. Yeah, it's a whole other thing, <laughs> like right? Like slang. Like we don't even notice that we use slang. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> so I have more more questions for you. But how did you how did you come to learn English? Okay, at the university where I was, uh, we had to like learn English for like one year or two years. You know, if you go to the university, you have to you have mm. to learn like 
for two years. It's not like, you know, English fluently, speaking English fluently, but they, they, you had to go, you have to learn, you know, how to speak like the basic things, those kind of things. So when I was in the university at the English department, so I was like volunteer because I, I wanted to, you know, to learn more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. What kind of student were you in school when you were in private school? Mm-hmm. What kind of student were you? You sound highly responsible, so it feels like you'd probably be <laughs> like. A were you a good student, or were you like me? <laughs> I had to get a scholarship. So okay. to get a scholarship, you have to work hard. So mm-hmm. I needed my dad could pay for me, but the thing is, when he sent the money, I paid the university for my little sister with it. So I had to work hard to get my scholarship so I can have my money, my dad money to pay for my sisters. You okay. see, uh-huh. this is how I do it. So I, I spend time, you know, working like as, as a volunteer at the English department, you know, work every day long, <laughs> study and work at the same time so I can have that scholarship. Okay. So, and, and so did some of the, because um, we pay you, we, we were paying you, to do some of the interpreting for us was that some of paying for your own school or your sister's school yeah for my mom help my mom a little bit okay. because you know when she sell meat in the marketplace um she can you know provide a food you know uh sometimes pay in school because when you have like four like four kids you know at the university three at the university you have to spend you know a lot of money mm-hmm. so in private university, you see? And when I get that money, I ha- I was able to like assist my sister, assist my mom. Oh man, I'm trying, I'm, I'm right now trying to decide in my head if I love my sisters that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you hey, they listen, because, they listen, You know, nice. <laughs> when you are an 80, when you are, the, the only way you can go forward when you are in a family, like my is like when you help each other yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah. not about me it's about us you know yeah. the society the society will not see me they will see us so i have to make sure that if i you know go forward i need to pick up my sister with me to go forward with her because isn't because there's no point in you making it if they don't no 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 we have to make it together mm. oh man Okay, so I gotta, I gotta just like, I gotta give some commentary here on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That means something more significantly coming from you and the story you just told us than it does when we make a nice quote, you know, make a nice quote on a wall, yeah. but it doesn't mean as much as what, what it means when you just shared that you gave up a significant amount to see your sisters go to, go to university. Yeah, this is the way it is for me. This is the way it was for me. Because, you know, my mom spent all her youth working for us, not for her. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, to make sure that we have what we need. You know, now, if I am able to help her now, I need to do it. Wow. I think we're going to have to make a, a quote on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yep. On our wall. <laughs> With Jesse, on our cement wall that we have behind us here. But I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see that in 
not just in you, but in, in others in the Haitian culture. Um, not, not as a whole, it's just like Canada, you know, we're not all nice and polite in Canada, <laughs> but I do see this love of neighbor and love of family and the commitment and, and capacity to, to give when you, when you have little to give. Yeah. I, I remember Dr. Mono saying that one of the very first times I ever met him was he, he had just shared, we were talking about something like this. It was just a good conversation. We were just talking about things. And, and he said something about that a unique thing about Haitians is that they will share their evening meal with a neighbor who's hungry, not knowing if they have enough to eat the next day. For tomorrow. Yeah. 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 And they will yeah. still do that. And I, I just remember being so moved by it because, well, moved by it. Embarrassed, maybe is a better word. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think I would really have a hard time trusting and sharing when I wasn't so sure what the next day would bring for me and my own family or whatever. That's... That is one of the things that has caused us to fall in love mm-hmm. with the people of Haiti. And and uh, it, it, it does shed, going to Haiti does shed light on your own reality and how you see the world. And I, that's probably true of, of just travel in general, but, mm-hmm. but most definitely going to Haiti, I have said this before, helps me to put my life in perspective in a, in a healthy way. Like when you live in Canada, your whole life, your normal becomes your normal. And unfortunately, we start to come to the, this idea, right? That if, if this is my normal, it's, it's everybody's normal. And it simply isn't. The, the world is so big. <laughs> and your normal, my normal, these aren't, these aren't actually maybe good scales even to, to, to these stories. Yeah, let me tell you something. When you went in Haiti, I met you. You think it's like, you know, yeah, it's a girl you you met, you know, can do the job. And then, you, no, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like, you know, uh, something like that. It was like God work. Hmm. You know, I needed that job at that moment. Because my dad, can like he could pay university for me. He could send me some money to, you know, for food when I was in labor, those kind of things. But I have like two sisters in my mom's side. They need my help. They need, you know, to go to university. They need to eat, you know, they need to those kind of things. And the went also, my mom went, hmm. you know, it's a little bit expensive, you know, so, I could, the work was for my mom, the work you gave me. It was like for, okay, I will, I will like, you know, I will work like for four months or six months. This money is for the win. Okay. I will work for like two months, three months. This one is for the university, you know, those kind of things. But my dad take care of me when I was in labor. And then my, the money I made, I made it for my family, you know, you know, those kind of things. So to tell you the truth, God give that opportunity. I will say it's a favor of God. Being able 
to have money or to have something to share, it's a blessing. It's a favor. It's like, it's not simple, you know, it's not simple, you know, and I understand the, the, the word that said being faithful in little things, you know, and God will give you big things, you know, this is the word of God and I stand on it and believe me, it make way for me. It make, it makes ways for me. Wow. Standing on the word of God, sharing what I have, you know, no matter how hard it is. Yeah. But first, I actually wanted to say, I, I want to take what you'd said, because when we met you, you were, you, you were translating for us, but it turned into something much bigger than that. Much bigger. Much bigger than that. And you ended up um, taking charge of one of the projects that we were a part of and support. And that, I remember that project is in a, is in a suburb, a small part of the city of Cape Haitian called Petite Ons. And it is, um, with the exception of how beautiful the people were, it is seriously one of the scariest, dirtiest places I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The people were beautiful there and are beautiful there. But the place yeah. is, is not. Terrible. The living conditions are extreme. And if I recall, you visited Petite Ons translating for us for the first time yourself. And we're surprised even... You were surprised as a Haitian that there were people living in those kinds of conditions. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you? Like I can certainly talk about about my experience there, but can you tell us what it was like for you to go to Tans and and see that for the first time? When I went there, it was like a shock. Mm you know, like, this is my own people. I didn't know about it. You know, it's like a, a sham, something like that. But when I saw those kids, oh my God, that hurts. Mm -hmm. Thank God I had my mom. I have my mom. I had my mom when I was a kid, you know, to work for me, mm -hmm. to work, to put clothes on to make sure that I'm, you know, you know, I'm properly, you know, dressed, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Go to school. But those kids, when you see them, you ask yourself, why them? Why? What's going on? You know, that's a big question. It was a big question. What's going on in that place? What 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 are, what is happening? Yeah, you asking yourself, are the are they are they themselves? You know, they don't have people to think about them. You know, those kind of things. You know, they are so small. You know, and then they are on the street by themselves. You know, trying to find something to eat. You know, those kind of things. That's hurt. They are kids. You know, they are kids. And I remember my mom when she was like 16, having her first child, you know, I, I understand it, it, it is hard. 
It is hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. Yeah. And I feel my place. I feel I I when I there I was there. It was hurt, but I feel I have to work with them. So there there was you felt compelled to work there, like to help. To do something. yeah. You know, yeah, to do something, to talk to them every day, you know, having fun together, you know, knowing what what's going on in the mind, you know, those kind of things, sharing great moments together, listen to them, to see how they see the world, you know, yeah. trying to, you know, figure out what they really want in life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want that. It was like a challenge for me to work with them. Oh, I wish our listeners could see you. Uh, because because seriously you you just lit up in a way that you haven't in this whole conversation Mm -hmm. when you started to talk about the kids and listening to to their stories and who they are it it, it, it is a gift of yours for sure to see beyond the the um the physical reality and see the human yeah um that's always been that's actually always been something that's been very obvious in knowing you yeah. So can you tell us, so I, I'm going to describe a little bit like this place is really um, the way I've described it to people who, who will listen is that Titans is a is essentially a neighborhood that is built on garbage that uh, has been dumped into the bay that's there. And then they they mix the garbage with with dirt and other things and then build homes on it in a hole. Uh, it has... Um, to, to be honest, it has the smell of garbage. It has the little water ponds and all kinds of things yeah, that, that yeah. don't look healthy. Yeah. Lots of sitting water. And, uh, and then like you said, it is, it's, it's by Haitian standards, it's, it's impoverished. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a difficult place. And, and, and so in a lot of ways, the poorest of poor are living there. And you joined us in the project that we were doing. This would be a great chance for us to just talk a little bit about, can you tell us a little bit about the food program, what your role was in it, and why you still think it's important, and why we need to care about what's going on in this little place? I talked to some of the kids, and they say, you know, you know what? One of them tell me, told me one day, you know what? I can't wait when the day will come to come here to eat. I say, why? It's the only way, the, the only day I can eat a good meal. This is the only day they know for sure that we have a good meal. Can you just believe? So yeah, it is important. That's why I make sure when I was there, work hard to have the food and the storage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I know if one day, we can don't give them the mean. It's like a hope lost, a lost hope, because they know for sure this day will be the day they will eat a good meal. And being the person that will make that work to make sure that everything is fine is was a great responsible on my shoulder. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, a heavy it's weight. <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't just decide I, I don't feel like it today. No. <laughs> it's just not really an option. Like no, you can't. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So many kids are waiting on you. You can't do that. You can't dare to do that. You can't. Even though it's raining. 
even though you know the smell goes so high you can't even you know breathe it doesn't matter what is matter is the key can you describe a bit of the process cuz you said it's a heavy weight to make sure the food is there but can you help us understand what that means rice beans you know yeah sometimes when sometimes when we don't get uh the food from food for the poor yet we need to buy food and you know uh, those you know those years was very difficult you know mm-hmm. you can't go to street to you know to buy food like that you have to make sure that they don't steal it <laughs> yeah as a young lady for me it was like difficult but thank god it wasn't me it's not my program it's not your program it's god's program when it's god program god makes sure that everything is work fine yeah so can i quickly give a description of kind of how it works from our end and then you jump in here and just tell me cuz when it gets to the actual ground level stuff i'd like you to just even share some of the names so that people hear some of the individuals that are involved in in doing this so so basically what happens is uh, our organization or our family of churches um, does yeah does receive donations, financial donations here in Canada. Uh, we work with an organization called Food for the Poor, Food for the Poor, which is out of Canada. These are all charitable organizations. Uh, they ship a container uh, to yep. Haiti with rice in it. Just rice, right? Not not the rest. Uh, rice or beans? Oh, and, beans, and beans. beans come from here too. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I, that's good. Good to clarify that. Um, then you pick up those, it was part of your job to yeah. pick that shipment up, transfer yes. it to the place where we had arranged for it to be stored. And yes. then each, uh, two times a week with your oversight and then the team of people that, that live, ladies who live right in Petit uh, yes. would, you would, you would divvy out the portion of rice for the day and yeah. they would do the cooking and all of those things. And then. Um, the distribution, which happens in a little little church there in mm-hmm. in, yeah. in in the neighborhood, um, it would be distributed that way. Is that is that about right? Like that's all the things. Uh, yeah, I give them some money for the vegetables, still oh, yeah. those kind of things. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. To make so sure was, they have a sauce. Yeah. That's right. And then also, you know, <laughs> it seemed like each time I went there, we were we were fixing something. Whether it was one of the. <laughs> cooking machines or you know all those kind of things when you are working with kids and especially in those area you lost a lot of things you know yeah yeah so you have to replace them you know buy new you know lose them and buy new you know those kind of things things. and and um one of the things like we we have video of this and maybe maybe we'll share some of that stuff even on unpacked and um but uh like on our website but uh because we do have a website, don't we? <laughs> yeah, okay. we, haven't, we, we haven't really actually said that it on our podcast. It gets linked all the time. Oh, God, there yeah, we go. Don't worry. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> taking care of all those things, not me. Um, and um, one of the cool things is that the kids come with their own spoon. Is that right? Wait, sometimes when they don't have. Yeah. They don't no. have then you give them they a spoon. Come to, wait, they have to need, so you, they, they have to have something to eat, you know, yeah. they come. 
you know, with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. So you often would see kids as we were as we were going to mm-hmm. help serve and do some of those things. You'd see kids making their way towards the tr- church, and they had this spoon in their hand, <laughs> and so excited. Like Very. that day is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is for him. It is. Yeah. It is for me too. Because you know, seeing those face, you know, smiling face, you know, singing face, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. they are so enjoy. Yeah, yeah, and they <laughs> sing. That's right. Like yeah. they sing, and they have like they all sing, kinds of fun. They sing. praise things. the Lord. They are happy because they know for sure they will have something. You know, they will be you know complete for the yeah. day. Yeah, they're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's that's great. Oh man. Um, that 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 actually is one of the it, it's it's a combination I'll be honest with you going there is a combination of a deep sadness mm-hmm. about what some uh children have to live through and where they live and then this I think this is what's so shocking about Haiti is an an overwhelming sense of joy yeah. When when you're with them. And so it doesn't I don't even know how to describe it on a podcast for somebody who has an experience but it but it is almost as if these two worlds don't exist together shouldn't exist together. So together, but you fight in Haiti. And there it is in Haiti. It's <laughs> yep. happening there, right? And and uh because you can both simultaneously cry tears of sadness and tears of joy in that joy place. at the same time it's yeah. mysterious it's it, like i don't actually know how to, else to describe that other than yeah. it's a it, it it is a a thin place where where the realities of the brokenness of the world and the state of emotion and connection with joy connect in a way that could only be described in something divine the only way i can describe that is like being grateful for what you have Mm -hmm. when you are when you are grateful for what you have you know you will find that joy even though you are sad yeah (laughs) oh wait one more thing i was gonna mention when you we didn't say what you studied in university so oh. that's a bit of a jump back. And Business then, administration. Okay, yeah. I got my license in there. Yeah, because I remember Dr. Mon- Dr. Mono talking about you one time when I was there and saying, you have to meet this person. She is amazing and she's highly administrative and super smart and in business and, and, and everything. And which, then I, Which he is not. So right. he definitely was admiring <laughs> that in you. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. And then the other thing is when you were leading the program in Petit Don's, you not only just worry, like made sure the food was there, but you expanded to care for the kids in other ways. And I was just curious about your passion for that. You saw different things and ways that you could serve and help. And I remember you talking about a day where you set up like a hygiene day and you were teaching the kids some, and giving some things that they didn't normally get to do and have. And, and the importance of, you had this passion for the importance of women and like young girls and young boys understanding about their bodies and respecting each other's bodies. Can you just talk about yeah. that a little bit? So, yeah, I learned, you know, I learned from the, those kids that they don't really have the good education they should have, you know, they get pregnant, pregnant early, you know, and the, the young girl will sell her body, you know, those kind of things. I, I wanted to make sure that 
to let them know they are the God value them, you know, they are precious. No matter how hard it is for them, they are precious. They should see them as queen and king, you know, not slave. Hmm. They are precious. Even though it's hard for them to eat, even though now they, you know, they don't have somewhere to sleep very well, but they are still queen. If they think like that, one day they will, they, they will make it through. Because if they think like that, they will say, you know what? I have to stay at school. I have to learn more. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more coming for me. I'm not get, going to get discouraged. I'm going to keep growing. You know, it's like I wanted to, I wanted them to know that. I, I, I wanted to make sure that if I am here, if I am, you know, if I am the Jessica I am right now, it's not because I, I was better than them. Yeah, I am better than them because my mom, she is a poor girl, you know, get pregnant at 16, you know, she didn't go to school, but she believed in, she believed in something and good education. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you learn about the world, that the world is re- really world wide not the the place you are in the wall is not the place you are in he's wider than that the world is here i love that maybe you 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 were born you know in that place that doesn't mean you will stay forever in that place we should we should all remember that we should all remember that even now in the pandemic but just because we're in the pandemic now doesn't mean we're always going to be in the pandemic yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always tell them that it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter in what family you were born in. If you have God in purpose and you walk, you fight for it, you will go forward. You will go forward. Believe me. You will go far. You have to believe in that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what color you are where you were born you know it doesn't matter this kind of thing it doesn't matter you can god can use you to make great things you can make great things because you are precious in his eyes you are like his jewelry you are his daughter his son you know yeah he want to use you for greater yeah not for like small things no no for greater well, I think you should maybe go into ministry. Yeah, I was thinking maybe, that maybe too. You need to be a preacher. Um, <laughs> you have gone far, though. Uh, you've gone far in a lot of areas in terms of even how you've been able to serve others, serve your community, the people around you. Uh, and you've also physically gone quite far because you are not in Haiti anymore. You're in, you're in Montreal. Yes, I am. And um, can you tell us, uh, so a couple of years ago? Mm, two years, almost three years. Almost three, three years. years. Okay, so since so you've come to Canada, you are a mom. That's yeah. new. I I, <laughs> I haven't even met yeah. your baby yet. Um, <laughs> can you tell us what has that been like? What is the the journey to from Haiti to to Montreal been like? Can you tell us what's been a gift in coming to Canada? But also one of the things we we think is really important is, you know, what sometimes just because good things are happening in your life, that doesn't that doesn't leave out struggle. So can you tell us what it's been like even to move to to Canada and 
not be in Haiti anymore? Uh, oh, straight to Montreal. Okay. 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 And I got married. Married. Mm-hmm. And I got pregnant. It was not easy at all. It was not easy at all because a uh, doctor diag- diagnosed my baby, like, you know, Down syndrome. Mm. Okay. Yeah. They tell me, they told me that I better, you know, abort, them, abort him, you know, this kind of things. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It was very hard. It's my first child, you know, this kind of things. But still, to tell you the truth, I had the word of God. He, he tell me that he will never leave me no matter how. Mm-hmm. And baby will be a gift for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a burden. Yeah. Not a burden. Hmm. My baby, he's a special kid, not a burden. So when my baby was born, it was like, uh, he spent like seven days at the hospital, you know, a lot of going on. They told me that they get my baby going to have a heart surgery, you know, those kind of things. And they give me like one month to go one month to go to the hospital to have the appointment for uh, the date for the surgery. Only one month. Hmm. And I tell God. I have one month, one only one month. You can do it. You can do the surgery. I believe in you. I'm waiting on you. I will go to the hospital and I believe you can you will do my miracle. Hmm. When I went to the hospital, they say they see nothing. There was like surprise. Wow. The problem was, you know, resolved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was a difficult time for me. For my family, for my husband, you know, our first child, you know. Yeah. But let me tell you, God gave me more than I ever expected. So it's a, it's a baby boy. What is his name? Daniel. 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 And so Daniel, yeah. he would, how old is he now? Is he? Six months. That is awesome. Yeah. One of these yeah. days on one of these calls, you're going to have to we know, gotta show, see him. show him to us because we yeah. haven't seen him. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> or, or I'm gonna have to fly out to Montreal so I can so I can see you. What has it been like being a new mom? What's been your experience with that? Because you had all the medical uh, stuff, but then it's not easy, you know. So hard <laughs> It's not easy. <laughs> sometimes a little bit exhausted, you know. Yeah, sometimes you can't really sleep well. You know, you have to you know wake up in the middle of the night. You know. Even though you are tired, when he's uh, awake, you need to be awake. Yeah. But so, I know for sure I will make it through. Yeah, you yeah. will. You yeah. Will. T- tell us a little bit what it was like uh, landing in Canada and seeing a different country, a different perspective on life in comparison to, to Haiti. Was that shocking for you? Oh, man. <laughs> 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 Your face is like, oh, um, oh man, was was different, very different. Okay, <laughs> oh my god, like tell, give me some simple daily. How was it different? What was different? Because remember, this is our normal. So point out, yeah, what okay. is not normal? In eighty, in eighty, in eighty, it is difficult to find, you know, a job, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. But when you are here, you have the skill, you can do it, you know, 
you will, yeah, you will have a job. <laughs> if you really want it, you will have it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I have to tell you that I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have, you know, I'm not afraid of working. You know, yeah, I'm clearly, not afraid of clearly <laughs> you are not afraid of working. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think we established that earlier. So thank God, you know, I, I, I had a great job, you know, I work hard, you know, I can pay my bill, help my mom, help my sister, you know, this is, this is great at all. This is great, you know, and the weather. Hmm. The weather. Oh, <laughs> is there some difference in the weather? <laughs> oh, please. Please. Please, please. It was like crazy when I get there. When did you arrive? I was freezing. <laughs> what, what, month, what month did you land in Montreal? Do you, do you remember? January. February, oh, my God. Sure. At the middle of the yeah, cold weather. You can imagine. Yeah, like our and then it was like very hot. It was very hot in 80. And then I get there. It was very cold, freezing. Like, uh, And oh, you my. flew directly like from Haiti oh, to Montreal. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, it was terrible. It was terrible. It's like Dr. Mano's visited in like September and had to wear like toques and a winter jacket. So the fact that you landed in January is like like, that's extreme. Yeah, it it was extreme. Extreme. Yeah, it was. I think Mano's description the first time he came here, he he said he got off the plane in you know, inside. Like you're inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside. And uh, he was leaving the airport and the, the automatic doors opened up. Yeah, open. And then there's a <laughs> yeah, a freeze calling rain in your face, like you know, needles, you know, like you know Yeah. And all your your face, you know, those kind of things. You see that sensation. You know, like you know, your face is filling off, you know. It's falling you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> if it's any consolation, that's what it feels like when they open the doors on the airplane in Haiti for <laughs> for us. <laughs> we just feel like we're melting. It's like, oh my gosh, oh my god, you are melting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, uh, we've got a few more questions for you because we've got you, and so we really want to hear from you. One of the mm-hmm. things that we have consistently asked the guests who have joined our show, we we really do believe that actually we learn and grow in the context of both good things that are going on in our story, but we also we also learn from some of our failures and our pain. So I'm curious to know, if could you tell us, like, can you think of a time when maybe things didn't go well for you? Maybe it was your own mistake. Maybe it was something that happened to you, but can you tell us what you learned out of an experience like that? So in other words, are there mistakes you've made in your life that you're glad you made? I was in the Bahamas with my, with my dad. He wanted me to stay there. Mm. But God wanted me to go back in Haiti. You know, talking to your family to say, okay, you are in the Bahamas with your dad. You can have whatever you want. You know, he's taking care of you. And then you choose to go back. What's going on? Are you, are you crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. But... I had the word of God. I have to go back before me meeting you guys. Mm. That's why I say it's it was it, it wasn't simple, you know. Mm-hmm. Meeting you guys, going to the university, meeting you, you know, all my day in Haiti was that like it wasn't simple things, yeah. you know. And 
I am glad because I chose to go back to Haiti. Even though some people say, you know what? What kind of, what are you was thinking? What are you, what, what you were thinking, you know, in that moment? You know, leaving your family in the Bahamas, you were like living a good life, you know, this kind of thing. Go back to Haiti and that son, you know, in that misery, this kind of things. You know, mm-hmm. it was hard for me when I go back, you know, it was a shock, you know, the same thing, things don't get, they don't, nothing change, you know, the same misery, you know. At the first I said, God, what I did, you know, what I did, it was like hard. But after that, I understand, you know, it was a good choice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you know, when, you, when you tell a story like that, right, it's like what, what can't be felt or understood is just how long you had to wait to find out that there, there was something else in store for you. you, even in terms of finding a different job in Haiti or going to university in Haiti and, and doing the things that you do, right? It's like, there's a waiting period. Um, okay, I have a few more questions for you about what you would say. What do you think that Canadians could learn from Haitians? Mm-hmm. You've been here long enough now. I realize you're just in Montreal, so that's <laughs> only one part of Canada. But without fear... <laughs> of of judgment what do you think Canadians need to learn from, from Haitians I know they know it already <laughs> I know uh, even though it's like you know those days uh, the Haitian people look like um, evil in the eyes of the world hmm. but they are not Mm-hmm. Yeah. Believe me, they are not. Yeah. They are just base, being misleading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people don't understand Haitian. They don't. The country of Haiti or or Haitians. Yeah. And do you mean because of some of the recent events and what we see in the news maybe here? We have a misconception. Wait, what, what you see in the news is, yeah, it's real. Mm-hmm. What we are like. But they are like consequences. Those people who are doing evil things, they were not born like that. Believe me, they were kids, they grew up like me, you know what I'm saying? But by bad leadership, mm-hmm. they become like that. They like someone who revolts, like someone who wants to, how can I say that? When you enslave people, when they know that, they trying to go back to you to 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 make sure that they they hurt you back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of them have been hurt. Mm. And now they can hurt people. They trying to to you know to show the world that what what is inside of them, the the hurt that yeah. they have. They are hurting people because they have been hurt. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's not a way. It's not the best. It's not the good way. But mm-hmm. the choose to do it like that. Mm-hmm. And I hope they will understand that they need to do it another way. But the reality of the human reality is hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I know. that is true here and mm-hmm. it's true there. 
But sometimes you can use your hurt when people hurt you. You can use it to build yourself, yeah. not yeah. destroy yeah. others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I think one of the gifts of having you join us is, um, is that the only way for us to learn and grow and understand that the world is big and there are different perspectives of how we see the world and how we live in the world is to meet people and hear their stories. And so we are, I am very grateful uh, to hear your story. And uh, I think this was the question is, um, in a way, in the last little bit, you have joined. So I, I described uh, that this team of Canadian folks who have been trying to raise funds, not just for Petit Dons, but a couple of the other projects that we do, like like diabetic care with Dr. Mono, who we've referred to several times in this in the show. Uh, we also do a program called the Sarepta program, which is an elder care program in 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 Haiti, uh, food, some other some other resources, and some of those things. But our family of churches has a little board or a little committee, a group of people who is trying to give oversight to, to some of that. And, and uh, our goal is obviously to listen well to what's happening in Haiti and, and to try to empower Haitians to, to serve their own community. And, and you, were, you were one of the people who was doing that mm -hmm. in Haiti. And now you've moved to Canada and you've joined our group, yeah. uh, our yeah. board. So in a way, you, you kind of come full circle. You, you, got to, you got to see and be a part of what was happening on the ground in Haiti. And now you've joined our, our little committee of people um, that thinks a lot about Haiti and tries to do things uh, to, to encourage our Haitian brothers and sisters in Haiti. What has that been like for you? You know, I know you've just been a couple of, you've been a couple of board meetings now, I think two, yeah. two board yeah, meetings. Yeah, like two something. Two. Yeah. What, what is it like for you to see that, this side? At first I was like, just a translator, you know, yeah. you know, just a translator. You didn't know me. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I started, um, being the one who like, you know, Ran the projects uh, there, yeah. For we direct the project there, yeah. yeah for the yeah. feeding program, and then now, can you believe I'm here in Montreal, in Canada, being a part of you guys? You know, yeah. it's like mm -hmm. it's not simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's not simple. I don't know. I don't know. It's like wait. Let me tell you something. I tell to my husband. You know, you have to respect me. You see. You see how God works. <laughs> I told him that. You see how God works, you know. I was just a trust leader. And then after that, me, you know, in the meeting of the board, you know, can you believe that? It was that crazy. I was talking to him. He was laughing at me. But I feel like it's a big thing for me. It's a huge thing for me. That's mean a lot. And I thank you guys for like um allow me to be with you. Oh. oh, yeah. No, you're an incredible leader. It's a <laughs> gift to us. This is where I, this is what I'm most happy about in terms of you being with us on our board is, well, it's a couple of things. First of all, one of our goals in working in Haiti has been more about how do we build relationship with people mm -hmm. um, than it has been about, you know, what do, what can we do to serve, to, to get these projects going? It, it, this is far more about relationship even than it is about, I, interestingly enough, than it is even about food sometimes mm -hmm. for us. That we, we need to be in relationship with people. 
And the other thing that's actually really challenging for us here on this side is that we, re- we really want to ethic ethical mm-hmm. in the way that we do things. In other words, sometimes you can harm. You can do harm by, by giving too much, giving in the wrong places, asking for results that work here maybe in Canada, but, but aren't good measurements for what's a success or failure in Haiti. And right, like our job, our goal is to not impose Canada on Haiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will not work. He will right, not it won't work. Yeah, you're exactly right. And but I gotta admit, I gotta be honest with you, I we don't always know how to do that well. Mm-hmm. And what I do want you to hear, whether this ends up on the podcast or not, is you're on our you're on our board to hold us accountable, to help us make sure that we give responsibly to the people of Haiti, so that we actually are helping and not, believe it or not, hindering. How, how Haitians live, grow, and all those things. Because we've, we started out this thing, we've fallen in love with Haiti. Are there things we wish that Haiti didn't, Haitians didn't have to experience? Yes. But one of the things I've learned in my trips to Haiti is that I have a whole lot more to learn from Haitians than they mm-hmm. have to learn from me. Mm-hmm. And you've said that in this call several times. Um, especially especially like oh man like without we like there is there is no mm-hmm. Jessica without her family succeeding and i love that both both of us are wearing our shirts today terrible yeah. shirts <laughs> the, the, these are, are, can you read them or are they totally backwards for you it says the neighborhood yeah. is the, the family the neighborhood is the family and, and at the Haitian. bottom it says a Haitian proverb yeah and oh uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that, that Haitians, they actually have lots of Haitian proverbs. <laughs> yeah, and, there's a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and you have, you have proved that mm-hmm. in our conversation today. And we're so grateful for your time. I know that it, you know, it's, it's time to, to share mm-hmm. and come on and share a little bit of your life and story. And, and it's stressful to, when we press the record button, it's stressful. Um, but I really do think that you have offered um, our listeners a piece of the world. And it's a really beautiful piece of the world. So we're grateful for your time and for joining mm-hmm. us. And I hope that we have given honor, uh, not only to you and your story, but also we've honored the, the Haitian people and some of whom we know and we love. <laughs> hey, I, uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm more grateful for our friendship and that you, you were willing to do this and continue to kind of walk with us on what looks like a lifetime journey, you know, of, of figuring out how, yeah. we can, how we can love <laughs> Haiti. And uh, uh, it has become a big part of my life and Tara's life as well. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're grateful for it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye. Hey, thanks for joining us. We'd love if you take a moment to rate, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, thanks for listening.